Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I am uh, not in studio this morning, but my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, is in studio this morning and we're doing the Zoom technology and I think I got the thumbs up that everything is all good. I can hear you. All right, perfect. Uh, so good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I put together a show today called FAQs for an FA. I thought that sounded uh, I thought that sounded catchy. So uh, I put together, I compiled a list of frequently asked questions that um, some people submitted questions online. We sent out a Facebook post uh, soliciting feedback. Some people submitted questions, emailed questions, and then I just compiled a list of questions that I frequently get asked. And I'm sure Kirk will chime in as well and add some things that he frequently gets asked. So uh, if you're listening in the Marshfield area today and you have questions that you're thinking of right now, please give us a call in the studio, 780. 780- 1-837-4900. We are here to answer literally any question that anyone has for a financial professional. Uh, many of the questions that uh, when we solicited for feedback this past week, many of the questions we got were market related, fairly uh, timely, sort of related to COVID and turbulent markets, and that's fine. So we'll go through some of those. Um, and then I and then I put together a list of um, some more generic just uh, questions that people frequently ask. So I hope this is helpful. This is FAQs for an FA. Uh, and unless I missed anything else, Kirk, we will get started with my list. But all is good. You guys can hear me in studio, right? I can hear you. All right, perfect. All right, so um, uh, uh, the first sort of chunk of uh, questions that I'm going to go through are market-related, fairly timely given the markets that we've had in 2020 so far um, with a significant decline in stocks from February to March, very fairly brief but significant decline from February to end of March, and then uh, a fairly fast, almost uh, full recovery from that for many, many sectors have recovered from that. Um, Not quite full, but, but but pretty good. So actually right now year-to-date returns are respectable uh, and actually rolling 12-month returns are pretty good. Um, So uh, here's the first question that uh, a listener uh, submitted. What are some stable areas to invest my IRAs during COVID? I know the market has rebounded, but I'm still concerned about a second wave of market turmoil. 
Um, very common question, Kirk. I'm assuming you've had a lot of questions to this regard, but basically people are, even though the markets have almost fully recovered, and I actually pulled some numbers regarding the specifics on that, uh, people are still nervous. I have, to, I have to admit that I don't watch I, or listen to the traditional news uh, very frequently. So I don't know exactly what everyone is hearing, but, but, but from what I understand, there's a lot of, uh, in the media, there's a lot of pessimism and people are just nervous about a second uh, decline, a double dip, if you will, uh, particularly uh, as a result of COVID, maybe in, an, in another spike in cases as we enter flu season, but also I think related to the upcoming election, there's generally market turmoil during elections. So I'm assuming you're hearing a question similar to that uh, as well, Kirk, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I guess the the thing is, well, as, as you already said, you know, we've pretty much had a recovery. Um, and, and, and I don't know if those questions, I don't know when those questions came in. Um, if that question came in earlier, you know, back when things were down, you know, quite a bit more, um, you know, the fact that things have recovered, I'm sure people have kind of perhaps transitioned to different questions. You know, now, now that, now that we've seen, you know, more or less a recovery from the, you know, from the virus, you know, induced, uh, decline, uh, I think people are starting to now look forward and start to worry about the election. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, yeah, but yes. So I, you know, I've had that question, you know, in, in a lot of people actually when during that time uh, when the market was down, um, I mean, yes, there were some people that were asking defensive type questions, but there were, I would say there, I would argue that there were maybe almost more people asking more opportunistic questions about, you know, how do I take advantage of this downturn? You know, what kind of stocks can I buy uh, that are maybe, um, you know, depressed, uh, you know, uh, momentarily, uh, that will, you know, yeah. that will, that will come back. Um, you know, and they were asking about, you know, like, uh, you know, airlines and hospitality and things like that. Um, and, you know, but, the, but some people were asking like, you know, specific stocks and, you know, that's when, you know, we always get a little, you know, we, you know, we, you know, we don't do individual stock, you know, analysis and, um, you know, we can never really answer that question because that's, that's just not what we do. Um, you know, theoretically, yeah, you know, might, yeah, it might have made sense to buy like a, if there was such a thing as like an airline, you know, you know, ETF or something like that, that, you know, might have made sense, but that's not, you know, again, that's a kind of a, you know, a concentrated position that, you know, we typically try to avoid just because, you know, we believe in, you know, diversification and, uh, and, 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 you know, investing in the broad markets. And, um, but, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was definitely a question we got and that's, you know, tr the, you know, that's the answer we would try to give as well. You know, if you're going to do something like that, that's kind of a bet. Um, and if you're going to do that, you know, please make it, you know, relatively small, you know, a small investment, um, just because, you know, we don't know which way it's going to go. So I pulled some numbers uh, regarding what the markets have done. And just to give people idea, because I think most people know that, yeah, like markets have pretty much rebounded, um, but I just think the numbers are kind of cool. So um, the, the S&P 500 is a benchmark for the United States stock markets, the 500 biggest companies in the United States. Um, generally at any given time, there is turnover in that index. Um, so actually I didn't pull this, this one exactly, but from about, so the S&P, the high so far for the S&P 500 was on February 19th, I believe. And between February 19th and March 23rd, the S&P declined about 35%. That one, I don't have the exact. Um, so uh, so more than a one third drop in the value of the S&P 500 in a, in a little over four weeks, I guess that's about five weeks. So uh, very, very fast decline as everyone recalls. The good news is that since March 24th to business close August 1st, the S&P 500 was back up 47%. So that's that that's actually not quite a full recovery. You need about a 50 or like a 52% recovery from a down 35 to be back to even just just the way the numbers work out. Um, but still uh, the the US market is has almost recovered from its high in February and actually the year to date return of the S&P 500 is positive um, so because we had a positive return from January 1st to February 19th. So the S&P 500 is up two point, almost 2.4% year to date. 
and the 12, the rolling 12 month return. So uh, August 19 to August 20 uh, is almost 13%. So that's like really good. Like a rolling 12 month return of 13% for a stock market is great. So the numbers are pretty good right now where we sit. And so I have, I've actually been reaching out to a couple clients that I had uh, conversations with back like in February and March. Um, so to the clients that I spoke to back in February, March that were really nervous and, you know, at that time, I'm, 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 you know, encouraging them and coaching them to, you know, hold tight, close your eyes, cross your fingers. Those are the, so for the conversations that we had, uh, rewind about, uh, I'm sorry, six months, um, three, five or six months, those are people that I'm reaching out to say, hey, what do you think now that markets have recovered? Are you, is this a good time? You know, are you feeling like you want to get more conservative so you don't have to go through those emotions again? But so I think this question is very valid. This actual question came in just a um, just a couple of days ago. Um, so what are some stable areas to invest my IRAs? So for example, so that's, that's, you know, I can answer that very broadly, obviously not with not specific portfolio recommendations, but um, generally speaking, if, if someone is feeling pessimistic and, and um, I mean, we could get into a whole discussion about, you know, don't try to time the market. You'll never time it perfectly and all that. But there are just some people that, that are very, very worried and they want to position their assets. Generally speaking, it's, uh, you you won't be successful trying to time the markets, at least with any consistency. But for those people that are very adamant about, I want to get more conservative now, there certainly are options. So for example, I just spoke to um, a client who who had a similar question. She's worried about market turmoil surrounding the election. And and, uh, even though she knows she won't be able to time things perfectly, she just wants to get very conservative so I was talking to her about, you know, she's like in a moderate risk portfolio, call it 60% stocks. And, and I was giving her some options about, okay, well, what are some options? So for example, we have like one, one portfolio more conservative than that. We call it our conservative balance. And so that's a 40% stock portfolio for her. That was not as much of a reduction in risk and, and a reduction in stock exposure. So then I talked to her about our, what we call defensive balanced portfolio, which does have stock exposure, but it's about 15 or 20%. So, so a pretty small percentage exposure to stocks. And, and we actually uh, landed on that for her as a solution because I just pointed out the fact that if you go to all cash or even really all bonds right now and you're wrong, um, I, I, I think that there's 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 risk in that as well. And so um, at least with our defensive portfolio, which has about... Um, which has about 20, 15 to 20% exposure to stocks. If if you're wrong, and we do have good stock markets in whatever period of time you're in that portfolio, at least you have some stock exposure to outpace inflation. Um, and, and don't forget that going to a portfolio that's all bonds uh, has has some downside with, with interest rates at almost zero. Uh, if we have a rise at interest, when we have a rise in interest rates, whatever time that whatever time that may be, granted that might not be for a year or two or three, but when we have a rise in interest rates, there will be downward fluctuation in a bond portfolio. Uh, bonds don't do well when interest rates rise. So um, you know, there's risks in 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 whatever. They're just they're just different risks. So. Um, I would say for someone that's just can't sleep at night, super nervous about another dip, really, really needs to make a change. Um, again, I don't necessarily think making changes, you know, speculating what the markets are going doing are going to do. I don't necessarily think that that's in anyone's best interest because it's very, very hard to time that correctly. But there will be some people that just they just need to lower the risk for their emotional health and and sanity and. Um, so I would say look for what we call like an ultra conservative or a very defensive portfolio, which maybe has a little bit of stock exposure, 10, 20%, something like that, so that you have a little growth in there if markets do well and you and your and your dollars don't get eaten away by inflation, um, but, but reduce stock exposure. Um, and I would just, I guess I would just add to that, that um, for the people, I mean, for the people that, 
of course, going to cash is an option as well. So in, inside of any IRA, 401k, you'll have a an option to just put your money in a money market. Um, that there's always a money market position in any retirement account that you have. That's, that's a very, very conservative option. Of course, there's no downward uh, fluctuation in a money market. So you don't have that concerned, like if interest rates rise, you know, in a bond portfolio, you might have downward fluctuation. That won't be the case in a money market. Um, but, you know, over time, but, if, but again, if you're wrong and and, uh, and stocks continue to do well, then you've missed out on a period of growth. And by the time you're getting back in, shares are going to be priced a little bit higher. So, um, so I would say lots of options, reducing stock exposure, uh, but maybe keeping a little bit in there, I think is a good option for the people that are nervous. I would, I would stay away from going to cash if possible, just because it's, it's so hard to time the markets. You have anything to add to that? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the question was, right. It was, it was what, it was, what are some stable places I could put my money in, yeah. in the stock market yeah. or just in general? It just said, what are some stable areas to invest my IRAs? Yeah. So, I mean, to me, you know, invest and stable are basically antonyms, right? Uh, those are like yeah, okay. t- totally yeah. different things. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I think that goes back to the age old, uh, you know, relationship of, you know, risk and return, right? You know, no, no risk, no return. Um, and so, you know, invest means, you know, you're going to put the money in something for long term uh, with the hopes that it's going to generate return. And, you know, stable typically means, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't do much of anything, right? It doesn't, it really doesn't go up. It really doesn't go down. Um, and so you've got to pick one. Uh, there's really no, there's really no, um, you know, in between. And so, I mean, if, 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 if stable is what you want, then I think, yeah, I mean, you're, you're really talking about cash or, or money market, like like you just said. I mean, that's really the only thing that um, is, is as close as you're going to get to a guarantee, you know, something that's not going to go down. Um, but the trade-off is that it's it's really not going to go up, um, you know, particularly yeah. in this in this time where interest rates are so low. Um, you know, yeah, you could maybe put, you know, go with some bonds and, and hope that they generate some more, you know, more interest or more dividends than, than a money market. But a, as you said, you know, if interest rates go up, uh, particularly, um, you know, quickly, then, you know, any bonds that you buy now um, could actually, you know, go down in value. Um, so there, yeah, there are, there are, there are always risks out there. Um, you know, you just have to, you have to define them and understand what they are and then, you know, pick the one that you're willing to, to go with. Um, yeah. Some, somebody, you know, just a very similar question. Somebody, uh, somebody called the other day and said, um, how do I, how do I, you know, in particular, you know, in particular worried about the upcoming election and, and which I think we should talk more about, you know, at some point, and maybe you have that on your list just about, you know, history and what that, what they have done. But, you know, people are always nervous about elections when they come, uh, just because there typically is some volatility surrounding elections. Um, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad, um, just because of the, the unknowns. Um, but the question, the specific question was, well, the election's coming up. How do I freeze my account? That was the question I got. And I said, well, um, I mean, really the only way we can do that is, you know, we sell all of your investments and and put the money into a money market. Uh, that's really all we can do. Um, you know, and that kind of goes back to that, you know, stable, you know, what's a stable, you know, a stable place to put your money, you know, you put it in a money market. That's really the only way that you can keep it from, you know, going down. Um, and so we talked about that and, you know, you know, whether or not that was a good idea. Um, you know, I, I agreed that there, there is going to, you know, most likely be volatility, you know, you know, as we get closer to, to the election and, and, and inevitably after the election, but for all we know, it, it could be good volatility, right? Um, yeah. You know, it could be it could be an upswing uh, in the markets. Um, but you know, so as we talked more, and we said, well, okay, so if you do that now, okay, so then you know what you have, and and you can just you know maybe yeah, and as you said earlier, maybe that makes you sleep a little bit better knowing that you know it's not going down. But but then the then the big question is, well you know, when do you get back in, you know, when, when do you, when do you go back into your, you know, your actual investments? Because if the market goes down, well, okay, that could actually work to your benefit. If you, if you get back in when, you know, share prices are lower, but 
you know, are you going to have the, you know, the stomach uh, to, to make that call? Um, yeah. Because you're never going to know, you know, how far down it's going to go. Um, I mean, obviously, if you could time the bottom, that would be ideal, but you're never going to know that. And, you know, are you going to feel comfortable, comfortable enough to do that? And, and most people are going to wait till it gets back to where it was or, or above there, and they're going to end up, um, you know, buying in even higher. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's just kind of the way it works due to, you know, psychology. Yeah. So the next the next question I got is sort sort of ties into this. Um, and the question is, for those of us sitting on sidelines with liquidated stock, and my I'm adding to that, uh, well, now cash. So, so for those of us sitting on the sidelines with cash, which is basically proceeds from liquidated stock, what is the best next step? So this ties into what you're talking about regarding, so, so if you could time the markets perfectly, and no one's ever done that with any consistency, right? But, but you know, people have gotten lucky here and there. If you could time the markets perfectly, you would sell your stock positions at a high. So if you had sold out of your uh, stock portfolio on February 18th or 19th of 2020, and then if you got, you, you fully reinvested on March 24th, the morning of March 24th, 2020, something like that, and, and kept it in there this whole time, that would have been perfect. But it's it's just, it's impossible to time, as, as you're saying. It's, uh, no one's ever done that with any consistency. And the other component to that is, on March 24th of this past year, the World Health Organization had only uh, labeled, or whatever the word is, COVID-19 as a global pandemic, like, 10 days, 10 to 14 days prior or something. So here we are in this new world of, we're in a global health crisis. This is a global pandemic. Uh, this is this is back when flattening the curve started uh, to, to be a, a term that everyone had to be cognizant of and cases spiking over in Europe and Italy and um, a very, very scary time in the world and in the country. And it is incredibly difficult for people to have the emotional strength to, I guess it depends on the size of the dollars we're talking about, but if you're talking about like in a, in a uh, several hundred thousand dollar, half million dollar, million dollar, you know, 401k or whatever, that can be a really scary time to make a drastic move. Like, well, now, you know, it's hard to say, it's hard to have the emotional strength to say, I'm gonna get all in. And it's, it's especially hard to have that emotional strength for the people that were nervous and got out of the market before, right? So the people that are getting out of the market when things either don't feel good or aren't good or have started to decline, it's really, really hard for those people, especially to have the emotional strength to get back in. So um, so timing the market is incredibly difficult where, and, and many people that attempt to do it, do it to their detriment instead of to their benefit. And so that's why buy and hold strategies um, are, are generally what we coach people because yeah, if, if, you could, if you knew exactly what the markets were gonna do, you would sell high and you would buy low, but no one can ever time that. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and that, and now we know when was the best time to buy and sell, but we didn't know that at the time, um, at the time that it was happening. So um, I promise I will, I, I just wanted to get into that before I answer this question regarding what to do with proceeds of liquidated stock because um, I think it, it ties into uh, it, it ties into this so um, do we have to take a break here in a minute yeah we got about a minute um, all right so um, we're my name is Alyssa McNamara Reed you're listening to McNamara on money what we wanted to go through today were uh, frequently asked questions for a financial advisor. So FAQs for an FA, and I did solicit some uh, some questions out there on social media. I got some, I got some questions, and and Kirk and I compiled a list of things that we are frequently asked. And we're starting right now with this section of um, market related, COVID nineteen related questions, uh, market volatility type stuff, upcoming elections. What if we have another dip in the markets? And so we're just kind of talking through, you know, what are people's options? So. Just, um, can I just we'll, give out the phone number one more time? 
Yeah. So, so, so for those of you listen, listening in the, in the South Shore today, 781-837-4900 is the uh, studio number. And we're happy to, we have a list of questions we're going to go through, but we're happy to answer any other questions that our listeners may have if you want to join us on air. 781-837-4900. We are just, uh, I don't know how my timing is, but we're supposed to take a well, yep. break and we'll be right back. listening to McNamara on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm via technology this morning, but live and Kirk is in studio. And we're talking this morning about FAQs for an FA. We did get some questions submitted before the show today. So that was great. Thank you for the, to those people that participated. Um, the, I, I, I wasn't sure how long this would take, but I think talking about market, market related, answering market related questions, I think is, um, is important and that's why I wanted to start with that you know sort of with the, what are the markets doing that type of stuff what should I do with my money I'm worried that type of stuff is just top of people's minds so um, let's get right back into it I, d- I did want to answer this question that someone submitted uh, and he says for those of us sitting on the sidelines with liquidated stock which is now cash what is the best next step um, that one is super hard to answer without any additional information regarding this person's the rest of this person's financial life, right? So first of all, how much money are we talking about? What type of an account is it in? How old are you? What is, uh, what is, what's your retirement plan look like? Um, are you, uh, are your other accounts invested? Um, you know, what, what is the intention, what is the intended, uh, uh, longevity investment time horizon for this money, right? So there, there's, there's, you know, in order to give really good advice, of course, we need more information, but, but I, but I understand the spirit of the question, and that is basically this person uh, at some point probably was nervous about the markets and, and liquidated some stock positions to get out of the markets and, and maybe now is feeling better and wants to get back in now that markets have recovered. So like what we were, and that's why we had to have that discussion before the break regarding regarding the, trying to time the markets um, and because this is relevant. So, this is a, so yeah, this is a timing question. I, yeah, it's a timing question. So first of all, like you, you touched on earlier, in order for timing to work to your benefit, you have to get out when stock prices are high, sell when stock prices are high, and get back in when stock prices are low. Presumably this person, I, I'm just presuming that this person sold at a time when stock prices are lower than where they are now, um, unless they sold like on February, I, I don't know, in, in late January or early February, right? Right before the downturn. But I'm assuming this person sold after that during the, the last bout of volatility that we had. Um, so this is, and this is what we were touching on earlier, where the people that oftentimes when people try to time the markets, I'm going to get out now because I'm nervous, I'll get back in later. That, that, that works against them most of the time. Because if you get out when things are going down and then you wait for things to recover to get back in, you're buying back when share prices are higher and that hurts your return. It doesn't help your return, even though it helps your emotional sanity, right? Some, is it right? There's no room for emotions in investing, right? How many times have we heard that? Um, there is no there is no crying in baseball. Right, right. So, so in a perfect world, this person that has liquidated, that had at some point in the recent past liquidated some stock and wants to get back in, in a perfect world, the markets would well, I shouldn't say this is the perfect world, but for this particular one person in this situation, if the markets were to dip again in the near future, and if they were to dip lower than where they were when this person sold, that's when he should get back in because then that would help his return where he sold at, at you know, S&P 500 or Dow Jones, whatever, somewhere, and then he's getting back in when it's lower. So buying, reestablishing that position when share prices are lower is ideal. The problem is if this person waits for the market to go lower, you just never know when that will come. That might not come for 10 years. You just, you just don't know. Of course, people are thinking I'm crazy saying that. People are sort of very convinced that we're going to have um, you know, more perhaps more significant volatility, and maybe they're right. I have no idea. I will never pretend to predict the markets. Um, but so, like, so, like I said, for to, for people that want to get back in, first of all, if the markets 
very soon dipped again and they dipped below where they were when you sold out, get back in, reestablish that position when share prices are lower or, or about the same. And, and, and that would be great. But because you never know when that's going to happen, I think a good option is for people to put together in, like an investment plan. We It's sort of a version of dollar cost averaging, right? So, and I don't know if we really want to um, go off on this tangent, but, but um, there's this, the theory or, or uh, I don't know, is it a phenomenon, Kirk? It's a, it's a proven theory that um, for the people that contribute to an investment account more regularly, like monthly or biweekly with paychecks, for example, over time, it's been proven that the people that contribute regularly will have a better, aka lower, average share price on their purchases because they're hitting all sorts of markets as the market goes up and down and does its thing. They're buying in at all different prices. So generally, that's better for someone than putting all your money into the market at one time, for example, throughout the course of year, right? So because when you put your money in at one time, you never really know where you are in the market cycle. And and if you put it in 12 or 24 times throughout the year versus once, you're probably going to have a better share price on average if you put it in that 12 to 24 times, right? So that so that makes sense. That's that's called dollar right. cost averaging. Correct. So yeah, that's been- we sort of talked to Sorry, did you have to add to that? Well, well, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you're right. That's a, that that is a you know, it's basically been a proven you know entity over over time. I mean, it's um, I suppose you could argue you know it, it has to be a, a certain time frame to make it work. But yes, in general, that is that is true. Um, you know, by buying in you know constantly. You know, if, if the market's up, you know, you're buying, you know, less of those, you know, really expensive shares. Uh, and when the market's down, you're buying lots of, you know, really uh, inexpensive shares. And, and it's, but yeah, it's the, you know, the math has, has proven that over, you know, a long enough period of time, uh, your average uh, share price is less than, you know, what the market, the market price was uh, over that time frame yeah. uh, based on yeah. doing that. Sure. So, so one of the things I've been chatting with clients about clients that either have new money to invest or they, um, uh, like this particular uh, uh, person that submitted the question, you know, what do I do with this cash? Apparently wants to get back into the market or maybe he doesn't, maybe he's looking for the answer, stay out of the market, right? That's a, that's of course one option, but for someone that wants to get back into the market with whatever chunk of cash from, from whatever purpose, whether it was previously liquidated or whether it's just new money, um, I think that this, because of concerns about downward volatility in the future, um, particularly surrounding election or, or uh, I'm personally worried about like flu season, for example, maybe not necessarily perhaps related to the markets, but just in general, if, you know, what if we see another spike in COVID cases because everyone's inside again in six months from now? Um, anyway, so I think that putting together an investment plan where you're taking whatever chunk of cash this is and you put a plan together to get it back into the markets over a period of time, let's call it over a period of four to six months, right? Because that would line up with, uh, or three to six months or whatever, that would line up with the election um, and, get, and maybe getting through uh, the winter here in New England. So if you put a plan together to say, okay, I have you know, $100,000, I'm gonna invest it in four chunks, you know, one now, one in two months, one two months later, and one two months after that, that that would be like a six month plan that you put together. And the, where that, first of all, what, that works, sometimes that works for emotional reasons because sometimes people that kind of like, know they should get back into the markets, but they maybe they're not quite ready. This is a little bit comforting because, um, because then they're not putting everything back in the market again when they feel like there could be more volatility. So uh, it's comforting in that regard. But from an investment standpoint, if the markets do go down from here at some point during that, uh, during however many months you put that plan together for, um, if the markets do go down in that period of time, then that does work from an investment standpoint because then you then at least on some of those investment chunks, you are scooping up shares when they're lower in value than they are now. That's if the markets go down from here during whatever period of time 
you uh, put the plan together for. Where this strategy does not work is if the markets go up in that period of time that you planned on. So if you put together that six, you know, that plan to invest your four chunks over six months, for example, it's just one example. Uh, and if the markets go up from here in the next six months, then that plan really didn't work to your benefit and you should have invested everything uh, on day one when you invested the first chunk. So yeah, yeah can I, um, can I say something? Yeah, no, no, you can't. I'm no, I'm on a roll. Well, you're you're always on a roll. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I was, you know, so yeah, so yes, so that question does come up a lot about, you know, I have some money to invest. Is this a good time, right? I mean, that's basically that what it what it boils down to. I mean, I know this specific one. Yeah, maybe people sold some stuff, um, you know, when things, you know, hopefully when things were high, but uh, and now they're not sure what to do with it. But but in general, that's always a question that comes up. Is yeah, what you know, I have this money. I'd like to invest it. Is this a good time? And you know. Um, so I guess a couple of things, the, you know, on average, you know, historically speaking, you know, it, it basically has, has been determined that, uh, you know, six, you know, two thirds of the time the market goes up, you know, so, so two out of every three years on average, the market is going in a, in a positive direction. And so, you know, you could argue, you know, there's a, you know, there's a 66, you know, and two thirds percent time that, that it, that it's a good time to invest because the, you know, the market, you know, is, is more than, you know, more than 50% chance it's going to go up, you know, in the next, you know, in, in the, in the foreseeable time, time frame. Um, there's always that one third chance that, that it could go down, you know, uh, you know, over the next year or so. Um, we never know. And as, as you've said, and we, as we always say, we, we never know where we are, you know, in, in that, in that cycle or, or in that, in that three year range, you know, about, you know, if two, two goes up and one goes down, we never know. And so, so, you know, over, over the long run, you know, if your time frame is long, you could certainly argue that, that, you know, now is just as good a time as any to put the money in, because if your time frame is long, there, you know, the mark, you know, we're pretty comfortable. The market is going to go up over the rest of your, you know, lifetime or time frame, whatever that may be, assuming it's a rel relatively long time frame. So that's, you know, that's one argument that yes, it's, it's, you know, you, you, you could argue and, and obviously, you know, you could say, oh, well, you're biased, you know, you want to, we want to invest our money, but, um, you know, you could argue that it's always a good time to invest because the markets, you know, on average, uh, are, go up more than they go down. But, you know, you know, we don't know, you know, short, short term, there's that psychological component uh, that really is what affects people. And so that's why, uh, you know, we, we often kind of compromise and say, yeah, let's, let's, let's scale it in over some agreed upon timeframe. Um, and again, you know, you, you've got to agree upon this timeframe, but you know, the longer the timeframe, the, the, the more chance you're, you're missing out on, on, on the upside, right? If, it, if the markets go up two out of three years and you're, you're waiting and scaling that money in slower, you know, you're, miss, you're missing some of that upside. You know, you're missing, you know, that's less time that the money's invested and it's earning dividends and, and working for you and buying more shares just, you know, just on its own with, you know, reinvesting dividends. And so, but in order, in order for that to work for everybody, you know, for the, for the, you know, for the client who's investing the money is they have to really buy into that, to that long-term timeframe, because if yeah. they get, if they get, if, if they're really, if they're just ultra focused on short-term returns and what, you know, and what their, you know, their account value is, that's, that's what's so difficult. And they just, you know, if they, if they say, okay, I'm not going to look at this for, you know, 10 years or 15 years, you know, 99% of the time, that's going to work out just fine. Um, but, but people get, you know, they get very concerned and, and that's, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't, I don't understand that. I do understand that. Um, it's just, you know, it's just nature. It's just, you know, that's just the nat natural psychology of it. Um, you know, money is a very important thing to, to most folks and, and to watch it, you know, go down in, on paper is very hard. Um, but, you know, over the long run, you know, investing the money, it's, 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 you could, you could argue that, like I said, it's, it's really never a bad time, but, you know, scaling it in, I think works psychologically for people, but, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to wait too, too long because you're just, you know, that's less time that the money's working for you. Um, every investor would be a happy investor if they closed their eyes and didn't look at their investment account for like 10 years. 
right? Every No one would have any investor that's in, you know, like a suitable, balanced, uh, diversified portfolio, right? And not in cash. Anyone that has some sort of appropriate portfolio, if you closed your eyes and if you literally didn't look at that for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, everyone would be happy, right? But, um, but pe- yeah, you're right. People hyper-focus on short-term returns and this person worried about what's... I, I'm interpreting that the, the the spirit of this question is what's the best time to invest this cash, um, in, and and you'll never time it perfectly, and it's not even worth the stress because 10, 15, 20 years from now, whether you put it in today or next month or the month after is like really not going to matter. Yeah, so can good I, point. Can Let's I, move on. Wait, yeah, yeah. I have like 30 questions on the list, and well, that was only two. Well, yeah. So <laughs> and here we are, 47 minutes into the show. I wait. Um, can, can I? Can I? So I had a. I I thought of kind of another question that that people ask, and and maybe, and maybe this one's on your on your list, but it, to me, it you know kind of comes off of this one, and you know the question is, and I think. I think this one might come more from, you know, maybe new clients that we haven't had a, you know, a long-standing relationship with, but you know, the question is, you know, you're going you're going to do something if if the markets are going to go down, right? You're you're going to do something with my money to, you know, to protect it uh, or to keep it from going down. Um, I'm sure you've had that question before, right? Uh, yeah, what what are you doing to what are you doing in light of what? The, uh, what are, excuse me. What are you doing in light of what the markets are doing? Well, or or you're, or, you're, uh, or yeah, you're you're going to do something ahead of time, um, you know, before before my money goes down. You know, what do you, what do you you know what are you doing to protect me on the downside? And you know, this is again, this is just another this is another way of asking a, a timing question. Uh, you know, we just asked about adding new money. When's the best time to add it? And, and the shorter answer is we don't know the best time. I mean, yeah. uh, and to, uh, on this question, you know, when the you know we don't know when the markets are going to go down. We do not know that ahead of time. And you know, and if we you know, and if the markets do start to decline, we don't know you know what the bottom's going to be. We don't know if it's going to turn around you know next week or next month because it, it very likely could. Um, and you know, these, this is just, just another timing question. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And so, you know, if we're, you know, if we try to time the market, if we try to do something to, you know, reduce your downward exposure, uh, and, and we certainly do some things to do that, you know, and that's, you know, that's a conversation about, you know, your risk tolerance and, you know, maybe having some bonds in your portfolio, you know, to, to reduce the downward volatility, but, you know, we can't, we can't time the market to, you know, to, you know, um, so that there's no downward fluctuation. That's, that is nearly impossible. Um, and, you know, so the, you know, the, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I guess the answer is, you know, if you have a long enough time frame, then, you know, then we're, you know, we're okay, you know, with, with some downward fluctuation because we know that it's temporary. We don't know what, you know, how long that time is going to be, but we know that it's temporary. Um, and so, you know, we're going to do our best to, you know, hold your hand, you know, through that process and, you know, remind you that your time frame is, well, for, for most people, your time frame is as long as you live. Um, and, and I think, um, I think that's what, sometimes people need to be reminded of that, um, you know, they're afraid, you know, it's never going to come back, you know, yeah, I'm older, you know, it's not going to come back. And well, you know, if you're going to live for another 15 or 20 years, that's a long time. And, you know, historically speaking, this money is going to come back. Um, and, you know, hope, hopefully we've got, you know, we're, we've got you set up ahead of time, you know, to, to cover your withdrawals and things like that. Um, and it's, yeah, if, if we knew the answer, you know, if we knew, you know, when the down market was coming and, and the up markets and all those things, I mean, we wouldn't, you know, you know, this is a, a funny answer, but, you know, we wouldn't be working, right? You know, you and I would be retired and doing something else because we would have timed the market ourselves and, and made, you know, a ton of money. Um, and we just, we just don't, we don't know that. I would, I would be living on the lake now that I'm in love with lakes after our vacation on the lake. Right. We would have, um, yeah, we would have made a, it, made a killing because, yeah. because we knew, we knew the future and we don't know the future. Yeah. yeah. 
every everyone everyone wants the upside with none of the downside that's just human nature but any true investor knows that there is some done downside associated with achieving those returns on the upside and of course those are varied based on the portfolio that's appropriate for you and for the people that can't handle any volatility on the downside they sh they're not investors they should go to the bank or they should consider an annuity those people aren't investors those are people looking for uh, those are people, if you're just looking for no volatility on the downside, you're not an investor. So, so you shouldn't be in the investment world. You should be at a bank where you look at an annuity that has very little return on the upside, but protection on the downside. Um, and, um, yeah, what I was going to say is, I mean, yeah, yes, I get that question a lot. What are you doing? You know, how, or is it things like that when the markets go down and, you know, the, 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 really the answer to that is, I mean, there are certain things we can do to take advantage of market downturns and, you know, increasing stock positions as, as prices are down and things like that. And, and based on market outlook, you know, ensuring that we're, you know, our stock allocation is where we think it should be based on, you know, outlook of, you know, international domestic stuff like that. There are little things we can do to take advantage, but, um, yeah, but I mean, the, the best thing we can do for our clients is position them in the appropriate portfolio so that they're not worried when the markets come, right? You should only be aggressive if you have a really long investment time horizon and you're not worried that your retirement account is down 15, 20, 30% because you have plenty of time to recover. And and anyone that, that doesn't have plenty of time to recover from a very significant downturn shouldn't be in an aggressive portfolio anyway. So the best thing we can do for our clients is position them appropriately from the get-go. Um, yeah, we could we could talk about this for another hour, but should, can I ask? Can I get to my uh, my next question on that one, Kirk? You may. My next fairly fairly market uh, well, it's a market timely question as well. So this one, I had two questions similar to this in the past few months. So I'm paraphrasing a little bit because it was two different situations. But um, basically, the question is, I'm nervous to roll over my 401k at this time due to market volatility. Um, is it okay to wait until the markets recovery before moving the funds and how long does this process take? So I don't know if you've had any questions similar, but like, for yes. example, I had a couple new clients that are uh, rolling funds over and then I had uh, one client who just retired and is going to be rolling <coughs> funds over. So when, when you're going through that rollover process during a period of market volatility, um, that's a little bit, that's a little scary for people because in the world of, there's, there's money moves in a couple of different ways in our world. One way is via this rollover where you're taking money from an employer plan, like money that you put in your 401k through, your, through a company and you're moving it to an IRA rollover in your own name. So that's like just taking it away from the employer and putting it into an IRA in your name. There's no taxes, of course, but that rollover process generally still in our world, uh, th those funds move over as cash. So you are liquidated out of your retirement, your, your employer plan, and then money is out of the market for a period of time. Generally, I've seen very, very, very few rollovers move over as securities. So, I pretty uh, much always see them move as cash. Yeah. And you could be out of the market for a period of weeks if the, if the financial custodian managing your 401k, I'm sorry, uh, custodying your 401k is issuing a physical check. I almost think, I think that financial institutions execute rollovers via physical check and physical mail to discourage people. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but in this world of money moves electronically all the time, why are financial institutions still issuing and physical mailing checks? That baffles me. I think it's for, um, I think it's for retention purposes to discourage people from doing it because it's such a cumbersome process. But anyway, I digress. But but just so people understand, this process of rollover is not always very fast, and your money is out of the market for a period of time. I just want to I just want to clarify that for people that are transferring money in our world, for example, if I meet a new person and they're with. They have their funds like in an IRA rollover at another financial institution or with another advisor or something and they're transferring it over. That process, you're not out of the market necessarily. You generally just, your shares are picked up and moved over and that's, you don't have to worry about market movement with, with transfers. But in the world of rollovers, you still have to worry about being out of the market uh, for a period of time. I would say probably the shortest period of time is what, Kirk? Like, five days and the longest could be a month right yeah I, mean, I would yeah i would of, yeah like i, I would, said yeah a week a much of that moves via physical check can you hear me yeah mm -hmm. okay um yeah. 
You're just, you're just, you're just, you're just, you're just, you're just steamrolling. That's all. (laughs) Okay. Um, So anyway, the question is, you know, so, so I, I do think I understand that this is, especially when markets are doing this, when markets are swinging 5% in a day, I understand that people are concerned about this. So the answer to this question is, is it okay to wait until the markets settle down, whatever, to move your 401k? Yes. Uh, so yeah, so, so my, you know, my, my example was, you know, I had, uh, talked to somebody back in, you know, back earlier in the year, uh, before, you know, before the, the major decline and, or, or right around that time. And basically, you know, they were, you know, they were in their mid, um, you know, mid fifties. Um, and you know, uh, they were going to retire, you know, kind of on the earlier side, but you know, so they had their funds in their retirement plan, uh, through work. And, you know, we, you know, we had a conversation about, you know, so basically they were, they were fairly aggressive, you know, because that's just the way they had been, you know, throughout their, throughout their career, uh, and never really given it much thought, you know, as far as, you know, getting more conservative. And so after having a conversation with them, you know, we decided it probably would make sense to get get more conservative, you know, with that money, uh, because they were, you know, they were going to probably start taking withdrawals in the next, you know, five years or so. Um, and you know, they, you know, we agreed that that was probably the prudent thing to do. And, you know, we were, we were getting pretty close to making that, you know, making that switch. And then, and then the market dropped, you know, by, as you, as you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, 35%, right. At its, you know, from, from top to bottom. And, yeah. You know, so we had we had a follow up phone call right, you know, right in the midst of that. You know, it probably wasn't right at the right at the bottom, but it was somewhere near the bottom. Okay, we got about two minutes, Alyssa. Uh, okay. And so, you know, and I said, and I said to him, I was like, yeah, I totally. Uh, I think that's that's the prudent thing to do is to wait. You know, I don't I don't know how long it's going to take for you know for your money to to get back to where it was, but you know, for us to take this you know this money that's down twenty or thirty percent and to put it into something that's more conservative. I mean, yeah, eventually you'll get that back, but it's going to take a lot longer. You know, in in a conservative investment or a more, you know a more conservative investment. And so yeah. I was yeah I, I was totally yeah that totally. I mean, if that was me, you know, if that was my money, I would totally do the same thing. Um, you know, they had enough time that they didn't need it. You know, they didn't need the funds ASAP. So yeah, let's, let's, let's wait this out. Um, and, um, and then we actually, yeah, we just, we just did it uh, recently. You know, we finally, they, you know, we had a converse, follow-up okay. conversation, you know, things are, things are almost back to where they were. You know, I don't know how long it's going to take to get to exactly back to where we were, but if you're comfortable, let's, you know, let's go ahead and move forward. And, and they were on board with that. So, um, okay. All right. So uh, we'll take a break. Uh, again, if we're looking for callers, 781-837-4900. Uh, we'll be right back in a couple minutes. 